it's, it's tough to have to stand up in front of everybody and minister uh, through gift a song like that. And uh, I remember being in choirs when I was a little younger and even being on our praise team here. So I, I've been up there with them. And uh, sometimes y'all a tough crowd. And uh, then you got to sing the song right. You know, and then I'd be on them like, Leela, y'all ain't nobody moving, everybody. So that's what she'd be, she'd be moving and stuff. You got to move, you got to sing, you got to try to be on key, you got to remember all the words. Uh, then you got to fool around and actually try to be anointed too. Man, and for them to get up here every week and just uh, use that gift that God has put into them. And, and I'm not going to go into each one of them in particular, but... You know, you have a church like World Changes in Atlanta. I've uh, been there for 30-something years, and you got people from all over coming in. Uh, but when Dr. Dollar started fellowship churches, he said, I want to make sure, you know, we got people from the congregation operating their gifts and their calls and being able to serve, you know, uh, as God has called them to. And every time I look up on the stage and I see Leela and everybody else that's up here with Abria, Angel, and others up here, I, see, I, I sat in the rehearsals and saw the tears and saw that I'm not sure if I can do this, but I know God has called me and, and saw the working and working and working. I'm talking about these are all moms. Actually, everybody you saw up on the stage is moms. Uh, two, three, four kids up here at 9 p.m. on a Tuesday night trying to get it right uh, in order to minister and just watching the growth uh, in each and every one of them and the faithfulness as they're doing what they're called to do. And Man... It's just such an honor and a privilege to be at a place where you've got folks who are loving God and serving God with all that they have and bringing those gifts to the table and saying, okay, Lord, this is what I got. This is what I got. And, and then God takes that and then he puts his super on it and makes something really special every single week. So again, uh, Leela and the whole team, hats off to y'all. Wonderful job uh, for the praise team. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yes. So we thank God for that, uh, you know, and, and just for everybody who serves. Uh, again, want to just give a special thank you to all of our veterans as well. I know we did that earlier, but let's give it up for our, those who have served again. Amen. And we are looking forward to, uh, as Deborah said earlier, our uh, first live uh, New Year service. Uh, again, that's just a vision of pastors is, again, that every church will just be you know, self-sufficient in every way. And we've been working up to that point. I think last year we did everything live except for the word itself. And this year the word will be live too here. Um, and, and we're just excited about that. But I'm really excited about this choir. Uh, I, I, I'm telling you, I've been telling them like every year, like when are we going to do a choir, you know? And they're like, oh, we don't know. You know, we, we still working on a praise team and everything. Like that. I said, this year we're doing a choir. I said, so... Uh, I said, I don't, I, so get all the folks that can kind of sing and, you know, want to want to serve God with that gift and want to have fun with us on New Year's. I said, I want y'all to pick some songs that are, that are pretty easy, pretty easy for everybody to learn. And I said, and uh, we want to get everybody up here on this stage or that's actually a choir stand over there. <coughs> you know, I said, but I want to, I want to just have a good time on New Year's uh, service uh, with family and with each other. So like they said, they're going to get some really simple songs. So I don't want you getting scared and afraid, you know, but some of y'all can sing, you know, and some of y'all can praise. Amen. And uh, <laughs> we want the singers and the praises to all come together, and we just want to have a really good time on that night. Um, also, I think, uh, I don't know if we have those calendars, uh, but 
if you don't have them, I know um, at the communications desk, we did a little calendar for November and December just to kind of highlight all the main things that are going on for this month and for next month. Uh, we get around the holidays and we get uh, very busy. And sometimes you guys, I found out that sometimes you all kind of don't know what's going on at the church. There'll be an extra service and there'll be something special going on and it'll kind of come and go and you'll miss it. So we just put some simple black and white calendars together just to show you all the things that are coming up. Um, like we have a Christmas service that's going to be on Christmas morning. Uh, it's only going to be for one hour. It's going to be right here live. Uh, we've always done it in the World Changers Nation. Um, the whole point is Dr. Dollar, and I thoroughly obviously agree with it, believes that on that day, while gifts are important, and obviously family is important, it's important that we acknowledge and honor God first. Amen? So uh, we have an early morning service that we do. It's only one hour long. Uh, we do some music and some fun stuff. It's a very short word, maybe 15 minutes long or something like that. And then we get to go, you know, about our days and do, do what we uh you know, want to do with family and everything like that. So that's something that we're doing this year as well. Uh, so we just got some neat things coming up. Uh, the, the Thanksgiving event that Osado and the CDGM uh, outreach team are putting together, we're excited about that. They went around to the apartment communities and found families who were in need, uh, in special need. And we're inviting them here to the church for a special uh, Thanksgiving dinner. And we're just going to take care of them and just love on them. Amen? It's okay to do that. Just love on folks. And we're going to do that. And I think they're... Um, yeah, I think that's that pictures from last year's event. And, uh, and, they, and we set it all up out there. And, man, I'm telling you, it's so neat to see families and folks that we don't really know that come into the house of God and just get loved on by strangers. Uh, and I can't tell you how, how much they appreciate it and how much they love it and how much they feel good to know that this community is looking out for them and taking care of them. So um, I think they're still raising a little bit of money for that. So, you know, uh, if that's touching your heart today, so into it. They're almost done with the fundraising. I think they're, they're past half their goal. I think they had another four or $500 they needed to raise. Um, and, and, and we'll get that and, and, and make that happen. But we're doing something similar for Christmas, I think. Uh, or there's just a combined event. Yeah, so there'll be another event for Christmas that'll be similar to this. And, it, and we've done this, and then we, but we have gifts uh, that we do. So we just believe in blessing this community and, um, and being a blessing to people who just otherwise wouldn't have it. So uh, just continue to look out for opportunities to get involved, to get connected in what God is doing here in uh, Houston and through World Changers Church Houston, and we're excited about it. So uh, again, welcome to World Changers. We're glad that you're here. If you need communion, communion elements, just raise your hands. The ushers will get them to you. Got a few people around in here. We take communion every week, not because it's a ritual or anything like that, but literally it's just an opportunity just to remember what Jesus has already done. Amen? This body and this blood uh, uh, symbolically is represented, his body and blood is symbolically represented through this juice and this wafer. With the body of Christ, we can appreciate things like healing. The word of God says, by his stripes, we were healed. Anybody in the audience going through, or in a congregation, uh, going through an opportunity for healing? If that's you, raise your hand. Okay, so if we got our hands raised, then what we remember during this time is, he took on all sickness, and on all disease. So if he took it on, 
then it's in your body illegally. Amen? Amen? Because he dealt with it. It says on the cross, he said, it is finished. I've done everything that needed to be done. God, man is once again right with you. That means they are restored back to the place you had them. So we have the ability through faith to lay hold of the promises of God. And because of the body of Jesus going on that cross that day, you have a promise of healing. Now, just because you have a promise of a car doesn't mean you got the car, does it? You got to lay hold to it. You got to believe it's yours. You got to go get the keys and you got to get in it and you got to go on and drive it. Amen. So the enemy is going to do everything he can do to get you to not pick up the promise. To convince you that that's not for you. But I'm here to tell you today, it's yours. Healing is yours. This juice represents the blood of Jesus. This blood is what washes and cleanses us from sin. It's not something we can do on our own, but it's something that Jesus has already done. Anybody, ever, anybody in this room ever felt guilty about stuff from the past? Anybody ever felt unworthy of the blessings of God because of mistakes that you've made? Well, again, Jesus said, it's finished. And what he was talking about was not just your healing, but also mankind's being made right back with God. You are forgiven because of what Jesus did on that cross. He was perfect, yet he took the punishment as if he had broke every rule. And he took that punishment so that you and I no longer have to. So if I walk around with a mentality that says, I am still no good, I'm ashamed, I should be condemned, I don't deserve anything from God, that actually goes in the opposite direction of where God wants us to be at. God wants us to feel accepted, beloved, and forgiven. And that's what this blood does. So when we take communion, we're simply reminding ourselves of those things. Amen? So I want you to take this bread and let's hold it up to heaven. Jesus, we thank you for your body. We thank you that as a result of you taking on all sickness and all disease, we can stand here boldly before the throne of grace and say we're healed and whole. We believe it. We receive it right now in Jesus' name. Now go ahead and eat that bread. We take that cup. Let's raise it up to heaven. Lord, we thank you for your blood that washed our sin, your blood that made us right. We thank you that there is forgiving power in the blood. And we receive that on today. No more guilt, no more condemnation, and no more shame. We accept that you love us. And we love ourselves enough to receive that. And we love you back. In Jesus' name, you may drink. And Father God, we thank you for all these things. We'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise for it. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Praise God. Thank you so much. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise one more time. Thank you.
Well, again, want to welcome you guys out to World Changers Church Houston. Um, for those of you guys who don't know, my name is Archie Collins. My wife Melissa's around here somewhere, and uh, there she is. Let's give it up for Pastor Melissa. You know, this church would be a mess without her, right? I'd have been on ran everybody off, messed everything up. Thank God for your wife. Balance. Amen. Uh, she's such a blessing, and we're just honored to be the senior pastors here at World Changers uh, Church Houston on behalf of Pastor and Pastor Taffy. Uh, we were talking earlier in our ministerial training class about how Dr. Dollar trained us. Uh, we've been with the ministry going on 18 years now, and uh, he trained everybody who was going to take over churches and all of that, telling us that he didn't want us to be an echo, but he wanted us to be a voice. And what he was saying was, was listen, we're all of the same DNA. That's our spiritual dad and spiritual bomb, amen? One anointing in all these different houses, one church in many locations. But very much, he trained us for years over and over again, don't go and try to be me. You know, I don't want my kids, I got three kids, and, and they're all unique and anointed and awesome in their own individual ways, and we look alike, uh, we sound alike, we have some similar mannerisms, but we're different. And it's important in the body of Christ, especially nowadays, that we learn how to be uniquely who God has called us to be. Amen. So many ministers and preachers and teachers or aspiring ministers, uh, like some of you all who are in the congregation even today, we, we try to be like somebody else. And then we get disappointed when we're not achieving like they're achieving, and that's simply because God didn't call you to be somebody else. He called you to be you. Amen? So you got to be you. I got to be me. And as we all walk out who God has called us to be, man, that's when the kingdom of heaven can, can be seen here on earth. So here at World Changers, we're, we're about being the authentic person that God has called us to be. That requires us to trust God. And we've been kind of talking about that underlying point this whole year. Do we trust God? We talked recently about trusting God in our giving, and we're still kind of on that. But we've kind of taken a tangent over the last couple of weeks to talk about trusting in the promises of God. I want you to get this down in your spirit. Uh, I want you to get this in your soul, I mean. I want you to understand that trusting God and the promises of God will help fix any issues that are going on in your life. It'll help you be the real you. It'll help you fulfill God's call and will for your life. It'll take care of issues in your finances. It'll take care of issues in your marriage. It'll take care of any issue that you're facing. Most of the time, and not most of the time, all the time, if you're facing an issue, it can be traced back to, am I trusting what God said? God is always talking. And you're always worthy of the conversation. So it's time that we tap into that and get our answers and walk out our victory. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. Proverbs 4.20. We'll just recap a little bit of what we began discussing on uh, Monday. I'll read this summary to you and then we'll dive into the scripture. 
It says, God has made many promises to us all. But we need to know how to respond to those promises in order to receive them. The general answer is to respond in faith. And that's what we've been talking about. But we can break that down even more into specific things that we can do to conquer whatever issues may be rising up against us. These strategies work for healing, finances, prosperity, or anything else we need in life. Proverbs 4.20 says this. It says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are what? Life. Their life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. It says the word of God, the instructions of God, the counsel of God, the promises of God, is just not anything. According to verse 22, it says they are what? Life. If you're experiencing death, if you're experiencing destruction, if you're experiencing lack in any area of your life, I'm here to tell you today that you have the answer, and the answer is the Word of God. The Word of God brings life to anything that is dead and dying. I don't know if my marriage is going to make it. Get the Word. I don't know if things are going to work out on my job. Get the Word. My bank account is dying. Get the word, because the word is life. And not just any word. Go back to verse 20. And uh, go in there, King James, yeah. It says, my son, attend to whose words? No, it's, it, attend to your friend's word who goes to church a lot. Attend just to the pastor's words. No, no, he said, attend to my words. Attend to my words, and then it says, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Turn your ear towards what I'm saying. Forget about what everybody else is saying. Forget about everybody else's philosophy. Forget about every word there is under the sun from a million different preachers, and hook into what I'm telling you right now. I'm all for words, you know, and I'm all for, you know, great ministry and things that happen and go all around this world in different ways. God is definitely spreading word all over the place, but what is God telling you? I, I don't want you turning around and becoming spiritually schizophrenic because you're listening to all these words all over the place and you can't locate what is God telling me for me. Because there's a lot of people that go to church. There's a lot of people that go to a million conferences and still find themselves lost. And that's because they're searching for God in all those words, and what they need to do is just settle down wherever God has told them to be at, normally in their local church, and hear what is God telling me at this place. That becomes a little difficult sometimes, though, because normally that word is something that's shaving stuff off of us that's not supposed to be there. So it makes us uncomfortable, and we may run, run from that word and find ourselves trying to hook up to a sweeter word that we can enjoy. Amen. <laughs> but he said the words that I'm giving you I want you to turn your ear towards those words and then he gives instructions he says let them not depart from your eyes what's another way of saying that never stop looking at them looking at what the word 
He said, don't let it depart from your eyes. I almost got a picture of something that got to hang in front of our eyes, and it's just reminding me what God said. By his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. It's on my mirror. It's in my car. It's, it's just, it's everywhere around me. Why? Because I need to be reminded of God's promises. Because the enemy is going to do everything he can to attack me with cares and concerns of life, to try to distract me and to get my eyes on something else. Why? What happens when we get our eyes on something other than, other than the word of God? Well, just think about Peter when he got out the boat. Peter was in the boat with all the other disciples. They saw something on the water. It was a big storm going on. They saw a figure on the water. It looked like Jesus. So Peter got bold and Peter said, hey, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come out onto the water. That's pretty neat because Peter already understood that even though I'm in this really good boat and we're in a storm, it's better to be outside of the structure of the boat and on the water in the storm with Jesus because that's the safest place you could ever be is right with Jesus. And it was Jesus, and Jesus told Peter, come on out. So with the word from the Lord, Peter did the impossible. He walked on water. Now that was a word that he had that brought life into his situation, and all of a sudden he was supernaturally able to do something that nobody else was doing. Where were the rest of the disciples? In the boat, freaking out. He wasn't concerned about them. He wasn't concerned about the word they were saying. He wasn't concerned about their positioning in life. He said, listen, I don't know what y'all going to do. I don't care what y'all saying, but I got a word. And the word told me to come. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to obey that word, and I'm going to get myself out on that water. I don't care what's going on. I am going to Jesus. And so he did it. And he got out there, and he got on the water. And that demonstrated there's power in the word of God. But then something happened when he was in the midst of hanging out on the water with Jesus. I don't know how long he was out there. It just said that he started paying attention to the storms because the wind really started kicking up and stuff. And so that distracted Peter for that moment. And he forgot about the word come on the water. He forgot about the power of who Jesus was. He forgot about his positioning in the fact that I am connected right here with Jesus and something supernaturally is happening and the storm was so bad that it got his focus off of God and he forgot about the promises of what Jesus said and instead he focused on the storm and what does the Bible say? He began to sink. And that's what distractions in life are designed to get you to do. The enemy wants to get you off of what God said. He wants to get you to stop looking at the promises of God. He wants to, them to be removed from in front of you so you can become distracted and you can find yourself sinking in life. Sinking in what way? In any way, any type of death, any type of destruction, any type of disbelief that he can get you involved in, that's what he wants to do because he wants you to fail. But God says you've already succeeded. And so the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, he's going to dangle all types of other stuff in front of you, but it's up to you to say, I'm going to remain focused. I'm not going to move based on what I see, because if I start looking at what I see, it's going to change how I feel, and then how I feel is going to change what I do. See, some of us, we got to stop peeking at the distraction. Because you think you're strong enough, you, or, 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 you, or you're just nosy enough that you just want to look at what that distraction is. I know what God's word says, but 
you know, I, I just want to check this out just to see so I know how to believe. You already know how to believe. You already know what God said. Don't look at the distraction. Because if you go and peek at the distraction, it's going to present new word to you that's not the word of God. And as we talked about, my words lead to my what? My thoughts. So I'll see that thing. If just for a split second, that image will be presented to me and it will plant a seed in my mind. And that thought, whether I like it or not, if I don't capture it, it's going to take root in my mind. And that thought is going to affect now the way I feel. Peter saw the storm. He took thought of it. He, took, uh, he became aware of it. It took root in his mind and he got afraid. And that fear canceled out, check this out now, the power of God. It's not that the power wasn't still working, it just couldn't work through Peter no more because he was in fear. God's power can't continue to work and flow through a person who's afraid. It's available, but it can't flow and work. Uh, I don't know if I believe that, Archie. First Timothy, God has not given me a spirit of but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, the spirit of love is the Holy Spirit. He is your power. He's the one that gives you peace. So when we're walking with the Holy Ghost, we're walking with God. But if I'm allowing the spirit of fear to dictate my life, God cannot operate through that. It's not that he doesn't want to. It's not that he's not available. See, grace makes him 100% available to us. But it's based on our faith whether or not we're going to lay hold to that. And the devil knows that. So what he tries to do is he tries to present other things to your mind so that he can change the way you think. And as a man thinketh in his heart, Proverbs 23, 7, so is he. Y'all don't, don't think the devil know the word? He know the word. He quoted it to Jesus right after Jesus had the Holy Spirit come on him. He will use the word against all of us smart believers. All of us who've been saved for some time. And, and, and what he does is he'll try to use that to distract you by introducing a new thought that will change the way you feel. And now all of a sudden you're afraid. Now all of a sudden you're doubting. Now all of a sudden you feel condemned. Now all of a sudden you feel ashamed. And how we feel dictates the decisions that we make in life. So now I'm not going to confess the word because I don't feel like it's going to work. Now all of a sudden I'm not going to wake up and pray today because I feel so ashamed that I didn't pray every other day. And so slowly but surely without knowing it, I'm starting to change my destination in life. I got to stay focused on the promises of God and focused on the word of God. I can't let them depart from my eyes, but I have to keep them in the midst of my heart. Now, is he talking about the heart that pumps blood? What heart is he talking about? My soul. Remember, man is, how many, how many parts is man? Yeah, man is a three-part being, the anatomy of a human. Man has a, man is a spirit. He possesses a soul, which is his mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body. So when he's saying keep my word in your heart, he's not saying keep it in your physical heart that pumps blood. 
He's saying, keep this word in your mind. Why? Because as a man, so is. So if I keep the word on my mind, then that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be whatever the word says I am. So he said, keep it in front of your eyes. Keep it on your mind. And if you can keep it in front of your eyes, and you can keep it on your mind, other stuff's going to try to come in, but you know, let me look back at the word. Let me take out those notes from Sunday. Let me take out those notes from Wednesday. Let me pull out those. I ain't got no notes from Sunday and Wednesday. I didn't take them. Go to CreflodollarMinistries.com. Go to the Bible study notes and get you some word in front of you. I don't, I don't know what to study. There are years of notes. They got, the pastor got a whole app now with daily devotions. We got, what we got, the Grace, what is that thing called? Uh, yes, Grace Life Academy. We got YouTube and Facebook and, and all this stuff. Get the word in front of you. Keep it on your mind. Because here's what happens, verse 22. It says, for... They are life unto those that, now that's an interesting word, find them. Now understand, God's not playing a game. He's not playing spiritual hide and seek with you. Amen? But the word and the revelation that's within the word, it is to be discovered. Let me prove it to you. Is this a Bible? Does it contain, as far as you know, does it contain the whole word of God. Have lives been changed by this? Have people been raised from the dead because of this? Have people had spiritual, financial, whatever type of breakthrough because of this word? So there's power in this book right here, right? It's in here, right? But how will it help you? Won't help you until you read it. You got to find out what's in here. So you can't get deep about it. This is really simple. It's all available. It's all here. But if I never pick up a Bible and read it, I won't find life. It's in the book. Now, see, part of my job, my responsibility is to pull some of this out as often as possible and to present it to you and to feed it to you. Amen. But how many of you guys know that this ain't enough? I said, this ain't enough. Well, think about it. Some people have been going to church for 25 years and still struggling. How come? Because they're trying to just live on a two-day-a-week diet. Now, again, I'm not saying none of this to condemn you. I'm, I'm saying this to help you understand this is how you find the word. This has to be a daily dose. Amen? You know, working out, it takes daily activity in your diet and in your, in your workout regimen to get to where you want to be. Amen? Well, let me just say it this way, because some of y'all looking at me like, I don't know. Because I've been on the workout side, and I've been on the other side. I'm, I'm, I'm coming back from the other side. But to get to that other side, that side where you need to work out, uh, that takes effort. It takes, you don't just get like that without putting activity towards that daily. Let me put it that way. You eating cake and different things, and you're doing different things daily, amen? And so you get to a certain place. And it's no different when you're trying to, like I said, get more healthy. You have to do daily activity. 
If that's the case with our physical bodies, if that's the case also with our minds, you know, if we want to have peace in your mind and everything like that, you got to keep mess out of it daily and you got to put good stuff into it daily, then why do we think it's no different with the things of God? We think we can come to church twice a week, maybe. And just because we got a good word on that Sunday that everything in our life is supposed to come together. No, he's telling us right here, you got to keep this before your eyes. And then you got to discover and find this revelation and truth in it. See, I can say this to you guys because we're family in here and everything like that, and we've been growing together, and, and, and it's the truth that we have to mature spiritually. we got to get back to that teaching that said you need to wake up and pray, and you need to pray daily. God loves you whether you pray or not, but you need to pray daily. If you're saved, grace is sufficient for you. You're going to heaven whether you say one thing to God or not after, after that point of salvation, but you need to pray daily. Well, like we said, God loves you whether you put a dime in a bucket or not, but you need to spend time with God daily. So I'm not standing up here preaching law to you. I'm just simply saying while grace has saved us, we can't get away from the things that grace-based people do. Grace-based people go to church. Grace-based people study their word every day. Grace-based people love God. Why? Because it brings life, his word. And then I love that last part. He said it brings life unto those that find them. But then he says, and health. Now, man is a three-part being, right? I am a spirit. I possess a soul and I live in a body. It appears that the word of God is presenting a way for physical healing. Because he just addressed what to do with our heart. He said, keep the word in your heart. So he ain't talking about your soul when he says, and health to their flesh. He's talking about your physical body. Want to be healed? Get in that word. That word's going to build your faith up. It's going to remind you of what Jesus has already done. And as a result, you are healed. So to strengthen our faith, we must remember what God tells us in the word, and then we must keep that in our hearts. If I'm going to build my faith up so I can lay hold of to all the promises of God, I got to know what those promises are, and then I got to keep them in my heart. We talked about this on Wednesday. The number one thing I have to do, the first thing I have to do to win the spiritual battle is locate the promise that I'm believing for. Locate the promise that I'm believing for where? In the Word. In the Word. What's something somebody's believing for? Just throw it out real quick. A car. So my God shall supply all my, according to his, Riches in glory, and that's a need. Be an apartment, a car. It says, I get my apartment, I get my car from who? God. Now that sounds real good. But now practically, I got to still do something to get that car here on earth, right? So what would I do? Make sure. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> She said, get a job. <laughs> so yeah, gotta have, you got to have income. Now why? Because, and it's good we're doing this because sometimes people get deep about this. 
I'm leaving for a house or an apartment. I'm leaving for a car. And then so what, what, what Christians do a lot of times is so somebody going to come give me some keys. Glory to God, because I saw them do that to sister so-and-so. And sometimes it don't happen that way. A lot of the time, most of the time, it doesn't happen that way. It requires us to have a relationship with God, and he says, go and get a, a job. Well, oh, well, you know, here, see, here we go. I don't want to work there. I don't qualify. I don't this, that, and other. God gave you a word. He said, just like he said to Peter, come on out here and do this. And so now you've got to make a decision. Do I believe God? I obtained the promises of God by locating his promises, but then I got to believe what I'm seeing. Him tell me to do, and then I have to do it. I'll repeat those in a minute, but that's kind of how it works. So I got to go get this job. Why? Because that's what God told me to do. I don't know where to get a job from. He'll tell you. But you got to get out the boat. Okay, I'll say it real plain. You got to get out the bed. <laughs> but it's rough out there. It was rough out there for Peter, too, but he had to get out the boat. Get out the bed and go. It for somebody. Get out to bed and go. And then follow Jesus. Lord, where you want me to go? Burger King. Okay. I don't want to go to Burger King. You better go to Burger King. You better go wherever he tell you to go. Wherever he tell you to go. That's where you're supposed to be at. I mean, I graduated college, had a degree from Oral Roberts University, theology, pastoral care and counseling, this, that, and other. You know what my job was? Theater manager. That's what God told me to go when I was in college. Started off as an usher. I was like 17, I think, when I went to college. And by the time I graduated, I was general manager with my own store and this, that, and the other. I was making like $40,000, $45,000. But hey, it was enough to take care of me, Melissa, and Caleb. And still afforded me the opportunity to be in full-time volunteer ministry. I was called to be a pastor. I was called to do this, that, and other. But where did God tell me to go with my little neon suspenders on? This was back when they had them. <laughs> I'm sitting in there, Minister Archie, my little neon suspenders on. But guess what? I wasn't broke. Guess what? We was eating. Guess what? There was gas in my car to get to and from ministry. Guess what? My son had diapers. Guess what? My wife wasn't all crying and talking about we, we, we ain't got what we need. Why? Because God provided, but I didn't get in the way of what he wanted. I said, Lord, you show me where to go and what to do. And that was, yeah, that was the last secular job I had before I eventually went to full-time ministry. But that was, what, babe, eight, nine years later before I actually got like a full-time salary? But I had to trust God. See, people want to look at where you're at now, the global missions director and international affairs, and, oh, you get to travel all around the world, and, oh, you're the senior pastor, and this, that, and that. Bruh, please. Amen. Had you seen 20 years ago Amen. when a young black boy and a young Mexican girl got together and got married and was trying to figure out life and trust in God, and he was eating grilled cheese sandwiches every day, and sleeping on an egg crate cart because we didn't even have enough money for a bed. And we just trust in God. With our little crumpled up 
two cars we had that God blessed. I did that because that's what one of them looked like. It looked like a crumpled up can. And I paid a friend of mine at ORU $500 for it. And I used to, I was a, I was a certified mechanic. Not really, but I was. <laughs> I was changing radiators. I was doing all type of stuff. Trying to get, just keep that car on the road. I finally, when it finally gave up, that car, I remember um, I, I got it to the, to this uh, buddy of mine, it was a Nigerian guy, he, he would help me work on the car sometime, and he had a little shop. And uh, he knew I was a college student and just trying to make it happen. And so I bought it to him that last time, and all the fuel lines in it had broke somehow. I don't even know how it happened. But it was all these little metal fuel line things broke. And uh, he was like, that's it. I said, nothing else we can do with it. <laughs> nothing else we can do with it. And I had that, and I had a station wagon that I had bought from a, for a dollar from a rescue mission in Virginia. And I had to go get it and then drive it all the way back to Tulsa. And man, that thing got us around for ministry big time. I used to load my friends up. We would go around on Saturday to do ministry. But that, that's what it was. But people look at the Mustang or something like that and like, oh, look at that. No, 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 no. Don't get it twisted. Yeah, I wanted a Mustang 20-something years ago. But I ain't had no Mustang money. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And there are greater things. But, but, but I'm saying all that to say there's a practical thing that God wants you to do right now. And you got to look at those promises. You got to listen to what he says, and he's going to tell you where to go and what to do. And then as you start that process, the, the later, the latter's coming. It's promised to you, it's going to happen. But you got to get started with where he's telling you to start now. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So the first thing again, if I'm going to win the spiritual battle, is I have to locate the promise that I'm believing for in the word. The second thing is I have to simply believe. And I said that quickly a moment ago. When I find what his word says, by his stripes I'm healed. Now I got to decide, do I believe it? How do you know somebody believes something? They act like it. It's really that simple. I know you believe because I watch how you talk, I watch how you walk. Amen? If I held up some keys to a car right now and said, this is your car. Mm-hmm. See, believing people are bold. Some of y'all like, some of y'all just literally set up in your seat like, if that joker have, hold up some keys, I'm running up there. <laughs> but that's, that's how you know somebody believes. Because they look at the situation and they say, I trust what that person is saying, and so I'm going to respond. Many of us, we don't see God, so it becomes difficult to trust him and we show we don't trust him because we don't respond to what his word says. That's what the third strategy is. It says, uh, the third strategy is to settle in our hearts that the promise we chose to stand on in the word is God's will for us. To literally look at that promise that you're standing on, by his stripes I'm healed, and then say it's God's will that I'll be healed. It's God's will that I have a car. It's God's will that I have a place to stay. It's God's will for me. I see it right here in the word. He supplies my needs according to his riches and glory, and that's his will. And whatever his will is, it's going to happen. I don't care how rough it gets. I don't care how tough it gets. That's his will. It's in the word. God said it. I believe it, and that settles it. And don't let nothing get you off of it. Not a thing. Somebody said God loves me. Mark 9, 23, go there real quick. 
Mark 9, 23. It says, Jesus said unto him, read this with me, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Now understand, grace has made it all available to you. But if you don't believe that it's yours, then you're simply not going to have it. But we fooled around and got some believers here at World Changers Church Houston. Some folks that says, I saw it in the Word, and I believe what he says, and I am just patiently awaiting the manifestation of his goodness. See, the promise is it's yours. And Jesus is speaking here and saying, he didn't just say some things. He said all things are possible. Do you understand the opportunity that the word of God places in the hands of the believer? A better word than opportunity is the authority that that scripture alone places into your hands. What is a thing that you have seen somebody be overtaken with? What is a problem that you have seen in somebody's life? What is a situation or a circumstance? I submit to you today that that falls under all things. And the word of Jesus says that if you can believe, if you can believe, all things. Anything can be turned around if you believe. Anything can be fixed if you believe. Oh, there's no way my marriage is going to be fixed. I said all things are possible to him and them that believe. Oh, I've seen some interesting things happen in marriages, and they get fixed, mended, healed, whole, blood of Jesus, thrown all over it, and man, those folks are better than they've ever been. And I'm talking about some crazy stuff. But all things are possible if you believe it. Now, I'm only going to believe what he, his word says. I'm only going to believe what he promises. See, some of us, we're believing maybe the wrong things. Maybe you're believing something that somebody told you, and it sounded like the word of God, but it wasn't the word. And you're struggling trying to figure out why this thing isn't working. It's all things are possible to him that believe, but I need to be making sure I'm believing the promises of God. That ain't your man. That's her husband. So that ain't possible. Glory to God. That ain't your wife. Ain't no ring on it. So it ain't possible. I was working with a couple the other day, and um, sweet, sweet, sweet couple. And... Uh, <clears throat> They're struggling in some areas of their relationship, and I was just like, hey, you got to be careful when you're not married or even engaged, but especially not married, expecting things from one another. I said, when this ring goes over that figure and the covenant is cut between you and them and God, there's an anointing that comes on him to be a husband. There's an anointing that comes on you to be a wife. And all of a sudden, you have an enablement to do things that you couldn't do as a girlfriend. And all of a sudden, he has an enablement to do things that he couldn't do as a boyfriend. So you need to make sure you're not believing for your boyfriend or girlfriend to act like a husband or a wife because ain't no anointing on them to do that. Amen. We'd be putting pressure on each other to, to, to why don't he love me like that because he ain't your husband. 
and you looking at the scriptures wanting him to love you like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, but that's for husbands. That's a husband anointing. We're going to be a whole other teaching on that one day. But, but that's, you're struggling in your relationship, and it's like, that, that ain't, he, that, that man hit me like a ton of bricks one day. I was like, he's not even able to do what you're asking him. She's not even able to do, she ain't even supposed to be doing that. That's, that's, she, that's reserved for her and God until y'all figure out what y'all going to do. That level of loving and sacrifice and submission and all, she not submitted to me. She ain't supposed to be. She about to fool around and give her submission away. You ain't even going to be the one. It'll be somebody else down the road, and you're going to burn her out. And by the way, you're supposed to be submitted to her too anyway. Amen. Somebody say, go back to the promises. Go back to the promises. Go back to the promises. Shoot, I forgot where I was at. <laughs> all things. <laughs> all things. Somebody say, all things. <laughs> so yeah, so if I'm believing God and I'm trusting God, then literally anything is possible. But I need to make sure I'm believing the word, amen? Go to Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Mark eleven twenty three. 23. It says, for verily I say unto you, that, that who? Whosoever. That means anyone. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not, there's that thing, doubt in his heart. Doubt, fear, they're all associated together, and that doubt and that fear cuts off God's ability to get things done. We have a hard time thinking about that sometimes. We think God is all-powerful. He is all-powerful, but he will not override your will. That's the issue. If you will to doubt, if you will to condemn, if you will to feel ashamed, if that's what you want to do for yourself, he's not going to go against it. He can't. As much as he loves you, he's given you free will. And for him to override your will would be to make him a liar. And that would cancel out him. God is love. And God has given you free will. And, but, but doubt, unbelief, fear, shame, condemnation, all of those are designed to get you to shut off the power valve of God in your life. And those are only things we can turn off and on. Have you thought about that? God can't turn off your doubt. He can give you the word, and as that word feeds you, it will starve your doubt, but you have to choose to cut those things off. Amen? Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and thou and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt. Where's doubt happened? Does doubt happen in my body? Does doubt happen in my spirit? No, doubt happens right here in my mind or in my heart. But shall believe. Where does believing happen? Yeah, see, sometimes we've gotten deep on these things in my spirit. No, believing happens in your mind. So I can't be believing and doubting at the same time. James has a word for that type of person. A double-minded man. Now, maybe that's connecting for you. A double-minded man says, that person's unstable in all their ways. I'm believing and I'm doubting. I'm believing. It says, what happens to that type of person? Let them not think that they are going to receive 
anything from the Lord. Now, if you don't understand grace, you'll think he's punishing a double-minded person. No, now you understand. If I'm doubting and believing, I I'm canceling myself out. And I'm canceling out the power of God. It's like trying to be on two sides of one thing. You ain't going nowhere. You're just stuck. Amen? It says, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have. Somebody says shall have. Shall. That's a promise. Anytime you're saying will and shall in the Bible, he shall have, but what is he going to have? Is he going to have everything God wants him to have? Only if he says it. Only if we say it. Go to Mark 17, 20. Mark 17, 20 says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your what? Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And I love this last part. He clears it up for us just in case you're wondering, is he talking about a real mountain or whatever like that? And he says, hey, check this out. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. No thing will be impossible for the person who will trust and believe the word of God. Do you understand the authority you have as a believer? There is nothing that's too hard for your faith to overcome. See, some of y'all thought I was going to say, there's nothing too hard for God. God already did it. So yes, there is nothing too hard for God. But God has done his part. He set up all these wonderful spiritual laws. He set up all these other things, you know, for us to be able to live and work by. But he did the number one thing, which was sent his son, Jesus. And when Jesus came and his blood was shed and his body was buried, then raised again from the dead, everything with you was restored back to God's original purpose. Man, I wish I had time to just dive into that statement alone. Because many don't believe that. When you became a believer, you were restored and are restored to man that was man before the fall of man. Because what did he restore you back to then? See, some people, don't, they don't grasp all of that. They just, well, I'm saved, so I'm not going to hell. That's good enough. No, nah, I ain't good enough for me. I got to see what I'm restored back to. What was I capable of before the fall? And in order to understand that, you got to go back to Adam and Eve. You got to look at Jesus. They call him the second Adam. And when you look at Adam and Eve, or Adam and the woman, it was before she even got the name Eve. But when you go back there and then you also look at Jesus, that is an image and a picture and a roadmap to what you're actually really capable of. Think about Jesus. Not only just the preaching, because we think about Jesus, we think about the preaching and stuff like that, and that's, that's part of it. But the power to love that he had. 
healed the sick, raising the dead, walking on water. Talking about the miraculous stuff that he did on behalf of God in service to God. The wisdom that he had. I don't know how to pay my bills. Jesus was getting fish out of water, to, uh, money out of fish in the water to pay his bills. You got supernatural understanding. You got supernatural wisdom right now on the inside of you. You don't have to sit up there and cry and toil and try to figure out how to get that business off the ground that God has told you to do. All you got to do is tap into the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, just like Jesus used to do when he was here on earth. Amen? Amen. And you have ability and nothing is impossible for you. So when you face a situation or circumstances, we, I need you to remember the promise of God. Nothing's impossible for me. They give you an assignment at work, you don't know what to do with it. But nothing's impossible for you. So what are you going to do? I'm going to go talk to God. I'm going to remember the promise. I'm going to locate the promise. Then I'm going to remember the promise. I'm going to believe this promise. And I'm going to walk this thing out. Amen? So understand this. We must firmly trust in God's promises that we have been given to overcome any problem in life. I'm going to say that again. We must firmly. Somebody say firmly. firmly. Why am I saying firmly? Well, because sometimes we trust God a little loosely. And this has to be a firm assurance, a trust, also known as faith. The firmly trusting God's promises that we have been given to overcome the problem. Go to Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 40. It says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, This is somebody talking, the leper was talking to Jesus. If thou wilt, or if thou will, thou canst make me clean. So this leper had faith. He said, now Jesus, if you want to, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion. What do you think moved Jesus? Yeah, because it wasn't the fact that this guy was a leper. There were many lepers all around. But did Jesus just make it his mission to go heal every leper? It's hard for people to hear that sometimes. Wait, are you saying Jesus didn't want every leper healed? That's not what I'm saying. But not every leper had faith. How do you know he had faith? He approached him. See, your faith can be seen in what you're doing. Are you boldly approaching that throne of grace and declaring what the promises of God said? This guy had faith. He approached him. And then listen to the words he said. If you want to, if you will, you can make me clean. He said, you got the power to do what needs to be done. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him. And saith unto him, I will. Be thou clean. What is he saying? It is my will for you to be clean. So be clean. You got to settle the fact today that it is God's will for your life for you to be prosperous, for you to be whole, for you to be healed, for you to be uh, uh, in abundance, for you to be the head and not the tail, for you to be above and not beneath. It's time that we start walking up to God saying, well, if you want me to. He said, do you know my word? Do you understand my life? Better yet, do you understand my death? 
My death was the will of God so that you would never have to question again if I will. I will so much I gave my life. I will so much you got my blood. I will so much you got me living big on the inside of you. That's how much I will. I will it. I want it. It's done. You got it. Let's walk in it. Don't you ever question again of whether God wants you to be prosperous or whole. John, uh, 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prosper. He wills it. You stand on it. This leper knew that Jesus had the ability to heal, but in his case, he questioned whether it was God's will for him, and Jesus' response convinced the leper that healing was God's will. Now, we're a step beyond that. This leper, Jesus hadn't died. Holy Spirit wasn't in the, uh, living in the earth and everybody and all that type of stuff. So this guy was a little step behind where you and I are at. We got the covenant of grace in action. He, the covenant of grace hadn't been, it hadn't started yet. Because that couldn't start until Jesus died. And so people were still walking around like, I, I'm, I, you know, I know he can do it. I know he can do it, but I don't know if he will. They hadn't seen his death yet. They hadn't seen the whole plan come to fruition. You know he can do it. You know the covenant of grace says it's done. So what you waiting for? Believe it. Believe it. I'll say that again. You know he can do it. Because of grace, you know it's done. So what are you waiting on to believe it? Take hold today of the promise that all is well. Take hold today of the truth that he has made everything you need available to you. Take hold today of those scriptures we read that says nothing's impossible. Notice what it said. Not for him, but for you. If you believe. We sit and waiting on God. Please, Lord, do this, do that. And the only thing he's doing is speaking to you saying it's done. It's done. Now here's what I need you to do to go practically lay hold of. Now, I say that, and, and, and I can almost feel some of you guys stopping and saying, well, what am I supposed to do? Let me tell you something very interesting as a preacher uh, up here sharing this with you. Every time I make that type of statement, I make this statement a lot where I said it's done, but God is just waiting on you to get with him to go know what to do. He's not going to tell me your next steps. I know you'd be waiting on me to say, this is what you need to do. So you can say, oh, that was just for me. So I need to, number one, I need to, number two. No, because then that would make me your God. And then it would require a relationship with me and you at this intimate level where you had to come here all the time, every time, to, in order to know what you need to do daily in your life. No, my job is to point you to the truth of the word of God and then point you to a relationship with God so you can go get the details from him. I'm not about to sit up here and act like I'm your God. You see what I'm saying? But that, because that's what preachers have done sometimes, and we build huge ministries and, and churches and, and, and all this type of stuff by giving people 18 steps to do this, that, and the other, and I'm not necessarily against that, but then that works for some people and it don't for others. 
And then other people are sitting, other people are sitting there thinking there's something wrong with them because I did all the principles, I did all the steps, and it's not working for me because that preacher or pastor didn't point them to a relationship with the Savior. So they could take one, step one, and then he'll say, now skip step two because that's not for you, and then go to step three. And, but that requires a relationship. So yes, this is going to take good work on your behalf. Bad work would be you leaving God out and just trying to do it on your own. But good work is, I trust that it's done. Now, let me go talk to my Heavenly Father on the specific steps I need to take. Somebody say amen. amen. Did I give you the fourth way? Did I say that? Okay. Uh, before I give you that, let me, yeah, let me go to, take you to John 14. I'm going to show you it, and then I'll give you the fourth one. John 14, verse 13. Are you getting anything out of this today? Yes. Amen. John 14, 13. It says, and whatsoever, you hear how broad these terms are? I mean, they're broad and absolute. <laughs> and whatsoever you shall ask or ye shall ask in my name, what do you say? That will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, what does in my name mean? Now, this is great. We read this, we're like, I can ask God for anything and he's going to do it. That's not what it says. <laughs> he said, anything in my name. Have you, ever, have you ever heard somebody say, I'm doing this in the name of this or in the name of that? And, it, and what it really means is they're doing it in representation of. I'm, I'm, I started World Changers with my wife, Melissa, in the name of Creflo and Taffy Dollar here in Houston. So I started it in line with their will. I started it in line with their authority. I started it in line with their blessing and ability. So if I'm going to ask for something in the name of God, it's in line with what he wants. You see the difference? We always say, in the name of Jesus, you better, back up, understand what you're saying. <laughs> That's just not a catchphrase or a power word. What you're saying is, is in line with the will of God and his word for my life, so be it. This is what is going to happen. So if I ask for things in line with what he wants for my life, if I ask for things in line with his word, then I'll have them. Because I'm asking for something he wants me to have. Again, in order to do that, it requires I have a relationship with him and his word. Amen? So if you should ask anything in my name, he says, I'll do it. He says, everything that I've told you you can have is available to you now. And if you choose to want it, ask. That's what this is saying. It's saying he's not going to just throw it at you. Amen? He wants you to know you need it, to know he got it, and come and get it. Again, this, this thing of us just kind of sitting back and waiting on grace to just shower down <laughs> everything for us, that's not how it works. Grace has made it all available. It was not available to you before. Before, because of your sin and because of uh, the fall of man and all that type of stuff, and, and yet still our inability to fulfill the law, none of this was available. Did you hear what I said? Man was in a... See, we don't get it because we came after grace. But I promise you, everybody who was living when Jesus was alive and before, they had a different understanding of his word. 
because they knew what it was to not, excuse me, to not be blessed. Remember, the Gentiles, unless they knew the Abrahamic covenant, they didn't have any good news. It was only the Jews who the law was written for who had even a chance of being blessed. Are you listening to me? But everybody else, you just messed up. And see, sometimes we don't properly understand that because we come after Jesus, we come after grace, and so it's just like, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's all good. But no, 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 no. We're now blessed, and it's all available. But we have to actively get connected with the will of God for our lives, trust his promises so we can see it manifested. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So the fourth thing, the fourth way that we fight the enemy when it comes to trusting the promises of God is ask God for what we want. Ask God for what we want, but ask according to his word. That right there, when I first studied that and understood that, that set me totally free because I've been asking for stuff that was good stuff, but I hadn't taken time to say, God, is that what you want me to have right now? It said it in the Bible that it was available, but just because it says something's available right now, I mean, available to everybody, I need to see, Lord, how does this apply to me right now, though? God says I'm rich, but maybe you don't know how to do a budget yet, so he might not want to make you a billionaire just yet. Amen? Because that would be an unloving act to give you billions of dollars and you having a hard time managing the hundreds. Amen? Y'all looking at me funny. I'm just being honest. God is love, and he's not going to give you anything that you're not ready for yet. Your billion flow is available for you, but what you got to do is you got to trust him now with the hundreds, obey him with the hundreds, learn how to flow with him with the hundreds, and then you get to the thousands and the ten thousands and the, the hundred thousand, you know, and so on and so forth. Amen? But you just sitting there just waiting on breakthrough to happen for billions of dollars, not saying it absolutely can happen, but it's only going to happen when you're ready. How will I know when I'm ready? He'll tell you. He'll tell you. It's really that simple. Because you, you would have been spending time with them. He would have been giving you instructions. He would have been giving you directions. You'd have been doing certain things. Uh, you'd have been showing you're free from the spirit of mammon. I mean, all these things would practically have been taking place and going on. And then you would see that growth. You would see that increase. It's no different on our jobs. You don't just promote the guy who just started to the CEO. Amen. Not if you want to keep that company. Joker used to be the janitor. He got hired yesterday, and now he's the CEO. Now, there are stories of janitors becoming CEOs. But normally, that's after 20 years. I work my way up, is what you hear. Why? Because that's how things practically happen. What, what, what that saying is, is we're developed under the kingdom of God. But a lot of us have been taught, or not even really taught, we've been... Can I say that word that way? Yeah. We've been seduced by lies in the church that dangles these things in front of us. As if they're realistic. We were just talking to a member the other day about how sometimes this prosperity is dangled in front of us in ways because we see other people prospering. Not realizing that that person already had an amazing business before you even met them. They got all this increase that was already happening from just natural work that they did. 
And you see them in church and hear about this big thing they're doing or whatever like that. And you look and say, oh, that must be the place I need to be at. Not understanding that person has actually fallen into the bracket like Jesus talked about where the people gave, they were rich and gave a lot of money. But you don't realize that person got a million dollars in the bank. They, may, they bring about $40,000 a month. But you see them get that $5,000 seed and you're like, Ooh, I wish one day, nah, nah. now realizing they're doing what Jesus said, oh, that, they're just giving a lot, but look at this widow over here with two copper coins, she's giving more. So it's not about trying to be something that I see in church or that I hear about or that I see on Christian television or whatever like that. It's about, Lord, take me where I am. I know all that's promised, but I'm not lusting after money. I'm not lusting after a lifestyle. I'm not trying to build some crazy image. I just want to please you. And so I want to please you right where I'm at. I want to take all the fluff off of this thing, and I want to get back to a relationship with you. Amen. So I can stop trusting in these images and trusting in the pictures and instead trust in your promises. Your promises are not hard. Your promises are not all lofty. And your promises are real for me right where I am. Archie, are you saying we, we shouldn't achieve to be better than we are? I'm saying this is how you become better than what you are. By stopping, slowing down, and being content right where you're at. Allowing yourself to connect with God's will 100% for your life. And then enrolling into his training plan of grace for your life. So that you can then be developed through the proper courses. So that when the tests of life do hit you, you will already be equipped. You trying to live like you, like I said, like you a millionaire and God's like, I need you to learn the lessons and pass the test of the person with the thousands. And so those tests come and they hit you. And you're not ready for them because you're in the wrong class. You over here trying to take millionaire class. I'm not saying millionaire status is not for you one day. I'm not saying, that's not what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. And those of you who are in the process and who've kind of gone through this process a little bit, you know what I'm talking about. You believe, I, I want millions, I want this, that, and other, and da-da-da-da, and his promises says all that's for you, but then God says, hey, so $1,000. That's a, the double. God, Pastor Archie just said it didn't matter. See, you're not ready. You're not ready. Somebody has a need in the church, and God says, give this to them. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know, I, I really like that car. And that's such, 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 such. I heard a young man say he needed a car, and I go, no, God told me in my spirit to go give, give him my car, but I, 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 I still own that car, as a matter of fact. You're not ready. God told us to give a car, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm telling you what, those are my stories. I'm telling you what happened. Get, get a person's car. God, I still own that car. He said, I know. He said, and pay the insurance on it too for him for two years. What, Jesus? What about, I only make so much money. So now I got to pay for that car, get my wife another car, pay for my car. He said, yes, sir, you got it right. <laughs> yes, sir. Paying for cars, I ain't your, and, and didn't miss a beat. Amen. Didn't miss a beat. But, but are you going to practically trust his promises to pass the test right where you're at? Guys, I, I, I appreciate now, and I love the fact that, that, that we have dreams and we have things like that, but, but it's time to pull all the religion and all the gunk off of everything so that you can get moving. 
for the promises of God in your life. I'm trying to tell, and I don't know if I'm doing an adequate way, an adequate job of explaining what I'm sensing in my spirit, but I just feel like in my spirit that there's been so much junk presented to us as the body of Christ in the name of prosperity that we've lost sight of the promises of God. And we've adopted the promise of man and it's been cloaked in mammon to get us to trust this image that we're trying to achieve, that a man or woman of God or whomever has presented to us. And I'm telling you guys, I'm walking this path right now as I stand before you this day, and that ain't how it works. Since I've been in church, I've been saying since I was three years old. 38 years now. And I've been under a lot of rich preachers and this, that, and da, 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 and I've had the same thoughts. Tried to work it out the same way. And let me tell you what actually worked. When I looked at God's promises, I believed them, and then I had to go one step further. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to give? How much do you want me to give? Where do you want me to work? What do you want me to do? Do you want me to take this promotion or not? It got very practical. And over time of learning how to trust and hear his voice and accepting what grace has made available for me, and accepting the fact that whether I qualified or not doesn't make a difference to God. Because disqualification in the eyes of the world will have men and women hold back from what God is telling them to do. There will be a time that he'll tell you, go apply for that house. Go do this for that car. Go do this for this job. Go do this for this certain thing. And you'll think in the natural, I don't qualify for that. And the truth is, you won't. But by then, you would have passed the test. You'd have done what needed to be done. And now he's ready to show himself big in your life. And you'll walk up to a situation that you naturally should not qualify for. And you will find yourself getting approved and getting a big yes and getting a big green stamp because of the fact that you have done what God told you to do. That's how it works. It works by trusting him and relying 100% on his promises. But when that time of prosperity comes, you'll be equipped with all the practical tools to maintain now the level of life he's given you. You're going to get no Lamborghini. You can't pay insurance. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. Buddy of mine got a nice Mercedes, and <laughs> he said, uh, <coughs> he put on Facebook, showed a picture of himself taking all the cookies and the crackers and the chips and the, and the um, what do you call it, in the repair, repair area. They had like a little place we get all food from. He said, I'm taking all this. He said, I paid $500 for a light today to be replaced on my Mercedes. He said, I'm taking everything. You know, I mean, it, it, it costs money to maintain this stuff. And if you haven't done the practical things that needed to be done, you'll find yourself having something that God doesn't want you to have, and it'll break you. It'll break you, it'll break your marriage, it'll break everything. You tell my pastor, I know what you're saying about this giving in faith, but I ain't got no money to pay no tithe. I ain't got no money to get no offering. Why? Because I may be living in a lifestyle that's beyond where God wants me to be at right now. So I can't take care of the house of God. I love you. I, you know I ain't a bad person, Pastor. You know I love you. But I, I can't do it right now. I ain't got it. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, God loves you. I love you too. Don't, hey, 
That between you and Jesus. Amen. Amen. Ain't no condemnation here. But we want to help you. So you might need to back up off that, that, that thing that you're trying to achieve right now and make sure you're doing what God, what God wants you to do right here where you're at. This kind of took a different turn than I thought it would, but, but, but I think this is for us. So we stopped trying to dream jump. Just, just walk it out. <laughs> walk it out. You will achieve all that God has for you. You will. That's a promise, guys. It's a promise. But I need you to slow down and make sure you're walking with God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. So again, uh, just to make sure you got the, caught that last one, the fourth way, I think I said this, but is to ask God for what we want according to his word. It says what, what we ask in God's authority, he will do. Amen? Say God's word, God's word. Shapes, my shapes my asking. There you go. Whatever he tells you, that's what you ask for. God ain't telling me nothing. Don't ask for nothing then. <laughs> Because you know it's going to be good when he gets it to you. Amen? Well, did you get anything out of that today? Amen. Praise God. Well, let's go ahead and um, do as we always do. Let's take this opportunity to go ahead and give. Um, not just if you were blessed by today's message, but just give based on what God tells you to do. Promises of God. Do I pay my tithe? Word says there's absolutely nothing wrong with tithing. But don't pay your tithes so you can get rich. The motivation of giving tithes and giving offering is what it's really all about. Am I giving because God has instructed me to? And am I giving because I love God? Because the money that you give is just going to go and bless the kingdom of God. So it's going to go, and this is good ground. This is great ground. But our motivation, again, we're not, we're not, let me ask you a question. Why am I not giving so that I can get rich anymore? Because it's already done. You're walking out the process. Jesus has made us all blessed. Malachi 3.10, it says, bring your tithes into the storehouse so they may beat my house. And then he says, and prove me now here with, and I will pour out this window of blessing. That was all conditional on if you paid your tithes. However, just really quick, uh, Dwayne, y'all pull up Malachi 1.1. I'll show you this during this offer time while you're preparing your offering. We read Malachi over and over again, and we all get all tied up about it, and da 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 who, who is he talking to? The burden of the word of the Lord to This was Malachi, or also known as Messenger, writing this entire book to correct the children of Israel. They had started getting to a place where they were doubting God, they weren't trusting God, and they started to do their own things. He started, he dealt with divorce, he dealt with uh, the priests not doing uh, offerings and sacrifices right, and he dealt with money. And he was telling the children of Israel, under the law, this is what you're supposed to do. If you trust God, you pay your tithes. And if you pay your tithes, you'll be blessed. But unless you're part of the children of Israel living under the old law, this don't apply to you. It's good, it's perfect, it's the law, but you have a better covenant. It's the covenant of grace. 
if you read in the New Testament, it says that because of the blood of Jesus, we're blessed. Before it was because of the tithe. That was a way to the blessing. Jesus paid your tithes with his blood. See, somebody don't know how to take that. Jesus is the reason why you're blessed. So if you're going to give a tenth, do what Abraham did. 430 years before the law to give a tenth was even given. He gave it because he honored God. Before the law was even written, 430 years before, Abraham gave a tenth of what he had to Melchizedek, who was the priest of God. That's why I give a tenth. I give, I give a tithe. But I do it because I honor God. I do it because I love God. I do it because I know I'm already blessed. And then I'll give an offering. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will say, give $100 right now. Give $200 right now. Give $500 right now. He'll, he'll say it, and I'll say, okay, Lord. Now, I, I didn't say it that quick earlier on. I'll be like, for real? Right now? You know I just pay my tithes. And then, he, nope, nope, okay. Because here's what I've seen. Every time I do it, I'm never without. God gives seed to the sower. I'm trusting in his promises. I'm practicing the promises of God. And it's working. It's working. So we're going to keep, how, how long are you going to talk about this? Till we get it. Till we get free. Till we stop guilty giving. Till we stop figuring, figuring that I ain't got nothing uh, in the cupboard because I didn't get my tithes or offering. No, no, no. You don't have nothing in the cupboard because you're not trusting God. God loves you. God provided for you. Now you got to trust him and listen to him. He'll tell you what to go, what to do, and, 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 and all that type of stuff. But it ain't because you didn't pay your spiritual grocery bill. Amen? That's, not, that's nowhere in the Bible. God loves you. And the enemy has been having fun tricking you, getting you looking for your blessing in the wrong place. And I'm telling you, your blessing comes from Jesus. Amen? Amen. So let's take those offerings, raise them up to heaven. Father God, we speak in agreement with the blessing that is already on our life. And as we sow today, we sow cheerfully. Why? Because we know that all is well in our life. And even if we don't have a dime to put in the bucket today, we say in Jesus' name, we're still blessed because of what Jesus has already done. Now, we love you, Father, and these gifts are tithes and offering to honor you. And we do that today, free, in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, you may serve the people. If you're given by text, you can do that uh, by using what's up on the screen. As they're doing that, as you participate in worship that way, if you're in this room and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, uh, get saved. Get to know him. Best decision you ever make in your life. In a moment, I'm going to ask everyone to stand to their feet. And when we do, if you want to be saved or want to learn more about it, then you can come down here to the front and we'll uh, take you to a place that's going to be private and pray with and for you. Second, if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I say that because even Jesus received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Even he had the Holy Spirit come up on him in order to go and fulfill God's will for his life. How many of you guys know in this world, we're going to need some help to do what God has called us to do? And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about. And last but not least, if you do not have a ch good church home, this is the best one. 
We believe that if this is where God has called you to, to, it's the best place for you. It's the place for you to grow. It's the place for you to learn. But it's also a place for you to serve, doing all that God has called you to do. So uh, if you uh, want to engage in any one of those three things, salvation, baptism of the Holy Spirit, or the joining church, I'm going to ask everyone to stand at their feet right now. If that's you, don't be afraid. Don't doubt. Just come on down. We're going to pray with and for you and get you where you need to be. Amen. Uh, everybody else, go ahead and minister. Come on down, sister. Go ahead and minister to those who are around you and ask them if they need prayer for any one of those things. If they say yes, then they can go ahead and join those who are down here in the front. Let's minister to those around us. Give God a hand clap of praise for those who are coming down. Come on down, brother. Do me a favor, stretch your hands towards those who are in the front. Father, we thank and praise you right now for your word. We thank you for this time, and we thank you for those who have come down to the front. We thank you that they will receive all that they came to get, and we'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for it. They are blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise once again. If you guys would mind following Brother Gary out, he's going to take you to a place so you can maintain and get what you came to receive. Give God a hand clap of praise one more time. Their lives will never be the same. Amen. All right. Well, raise your hands and be prepared to be dismissed. Father, I speak right now a blessing over everyone. And I thank and praise you that we trust your promises. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the Almighty God. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. We thank you that this is the best week ever. As we're going to see your promises manifested in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you guys. You are dismissed.